Hey everyone, my name is Brett Howe and I am an athlete mindset and life coach. I'm a former dual sport ACAC athlete playing both hockey and soccer at the college level. I am now mom of four, entrepreneur and founder of AMP Coaching. AMP Intermission Podcast shares top-notch conversations with some of the most inspirational people around. I speak with those from top performing past and present athletes, coaches, to sport parents, and everyone in between. In sharing stories from adversity to triumph, this podcast will inspire athletes to follow their own genuine path to fulfillment in life and in sport. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. What is going on, guys? I'm super excited to be bringing you my first episode of the new year. So we are in a brand new season. Looking forward to all the guests that I have prepped coming in in 2024 so far. Now, this one is a great one with Mr. Mitch Berg. Now, he is a sports psychology master's candidate and mental performance coach hailing from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. He has a diverse athletic background in hockey, lacrosse, and baseball, and he connects with athletes across all sports and all age ranges. He brings over nine years of experience in the mental health field, and his coaching approach combines personal insight with academic expertise. He is proudly involved with the Saskatoon Minor Hockey Association and dedicated to optimizing mental resilience and performance in sports. And you can find him at optima.athletic on Instagram. Okay, so Mitch is such an incredible resource. Um, He's been helping athletes, like I said, for about the last nine years. And what we talk about is just the differences in ages and development of when that stress of the game really starts to take its toll and just how society today impacts that stress. And then he provides some tools. We talk about the tools that we both deem as vital for success in the sport from a mindset perspective. And yeah, it's just a really open conversation of two people who are really doing a very similar and just working together in trying to have that ultimate goal of help athletes hit their highest potential and not let that mindset get in the way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Thank you so much, guys. Looking forward to sharing it with you. So I am joined today with Mitch Berg. You know, I used to be so hesitant on social media. I don't know how you feel, Mitch, but I was so hesitant. And I almost didn't like the idea of putting a business online because of the social media presence you had to have. And it's been amazing in the last year to watch how many connections I am able to build through just being online. And this is exactly how we met. You know, you recognize one of my videos for Epson. Uh, you used to play in Epson yourself. Uh, we could talk about that later if you want. But essentially, you kind of reached out and followed me. And then I reached out to you and said, hey, like, it looks like we're doing the same thing. Let's have a chat. And felt really like it would be an idea to jump on a podcast and talk about the things that we notice in this field of what we've been doing over the last couple of years. So I first of all just want to acknowledge how amazing it is to make connections through social media. And thank you so much for being here, Mitch. I don't know if you want to add anything to that at all. No, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first thing I want to know, 
obviously we're doing very similar. We're working with athletes in mental performance. You are currently taking your master's degree in psychology and you've created a company called Optima, Optima Athletic, right? Yes. Yeah, that's it. So I want to know what made you think this is exactly where I want to put my time and energy into and help athletes. So what was your, I guess, your path to get here? You know, working with athletes is something I've always wanted to do. How I was going to work with them was always up in the air. Maybe I wanted to coach, maybe I wanted to be a trainer, maybe, you know, and, and, you know, when I start going to school, I realized, you know, I like this whole counseling thing, helping people out, kind of helping them figure out their own path. That was kind of what I enjoyed doing. And then, of course, I transferred to working with athletes and yeah, I mean, I'm a couple of years into it and I, I love it now. Okay, so do a little shameless plug here, Mitch. Tell us what you do, what types of athletes you work with, and yeah, just go from there and let us know exactly what you do essentially with Ultima. What I do is I work with programs in uh, Saskatoon. I work with a few programs outside of Saskatoon. I'm a resource for people if they want to kind of figure out what's either their increase their mental strength or maybe something's going on, maybe they have a lack of confidence, maybe they're just you know, finding lack of motivation, whatever it might be in their game. And then I work with all types of athletes. I work with softball players, volleyball players, hockey, baseball, a couple of football players. And it's just, it's just over, I guess the same concept every time I'm working with someone is, you know, where's your mind at when you're playing? Where's your mind at when you're practicing? What kind of things do you want to work on? What kind of things do you have you improved on and how can we make it better? Right? So it's just, my approach to it is where, where are you currently and where do you want to be? And hopefully together we can get there. Absolutely. What sports other than hockey, you know, you play hockey, you played, did you play baseball as well? What other sports did you play? I, yeah, I played hockey, baseball, and lacrosse. One year I played all three of them in the summer. And my parents said, you need to pick one because you have two other siblings who are playing sports. So I think I was about 13 and I just stuck with hockey after that. But, you know, since I was six on it was baseball and hockey then it was the cross for a few years and then it was just strictly hockey after that yeah and it's saying you reach this point in your career where you almost have to choose right i was fortunate enough that i played soccer and hockey and they didn't correlate as much and overlap so i got to play actually both in college for one year which was almost biting off more than i could chew but it was an incredible yeah. experience so you come to the crossroads where you have to choose and it's it's really cool to see how we go through that process of where is the sport that we want to pursue and where is that alignment? What serves us best? You know, I, I love the sports and I, all my friends playing, we've, I mean, played every outdoor, every time we can go on the pond, we'd be able to, we'd be out there. You know, that was, I loved baseball, but hockey was my passion and I took it as far as I could and I loved every minute of it. Absolutely. So one of the reasons that I do what I do today and I work with, I'm really niche into female hockey players, uh, elite level female hockey players. And I firmly believe that when we can solve a problem for ourselves and help others make an impact on others' lives and help them in those areas, that's where we can find our North Star. That's where we can find our mission. And I had a lot of struggles. My main struggle was confidence in hockey. And I see that across the board all the time with female athletes. I want to know what problem or what was your biggest struggle as an athlete because typically we go down these paths because we feel like we've had that experience for ourselves right so i would love to know what your experience in sport areas that you felt that 
you know, had you had the medical training you, you offer today, you could have gone to the next level. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think confidence was my biggest problem too. I mean, I, looking back now from what I can remember, there were times where my confidence would shift from shift to shift, right? I would have a good shift and I'd have so much confidence going to the next one, I'd have a bad shift and I'd have all my confidence going to the next one. And, you know, it carried over and it carried over through games. It carried over through periods and shifts. So, you know, working with, if, and I did work with someone briefly. I think it was just a psychologist when I was younger. Again, just on the mental side of things, it wasn't as much around it as, as it is now. But, you know, for me personally, I think the confidence piece, if I could have recognized that me worrying about my last play isn't going to help my next play and not carrying that over, not carrying over into games, not even carrying it over into practices, you know, I don't know if it could have played longer, who knows, but I think most importantly, I would have probably had more fun playing if I would have recognized that. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Just and being able to really like soak up every moment. I always tell my athletes to be where your feet are. So to be present and pro- part of that is practicing that mindfulness piece, right? Being present, being able to be where our feet are, not dwelling on the mistakes we've made or looking too far in fear of the future. And two biggest things I don't know what you see that I see in my athletes this fear of failure and this fear of judgment, you know, essentially comparing yourself to others and hearing that my coach isn't going to like me, my teammates are going to think I'm awful, my parents. And there's those two things that really start to eat away, I find it, the athlete's confidence. But I would say 90% of the time, if I ask an athlete, what's your biggest struggle? It's that confidence piece, which for me, it went out into my life. As a 30-year-old, I was lacking that confidence. So that's where I really was like, this is why it's such an important thing and it stays with you. And the sport itself and the mental training in the sport is the fuel of the vehicle, but essentially it's going to surround your entire life when you have that mental capacity to take forward from what you've learned in sport into life. So well, I agree. Well, very well said. So what I want to ask you is you work with athletes in all areas. You work with athletes in all different sports. Would love to know what are some main differences you see in the ages and the development of when that stress of the game really starts to take its toll? Well, I guess, I mean, it's a lot younger now. I mean, it sounds like, you know, some of the athletes I've worked with young as 11 and 12, you know, they're playing every day, you know, with hockey, it's, they're doing these camps in the middle of the season and they're doing. You know, they're, they're practicing all the time, which again, is good for development, but I mean, the mental stress and I guess physical stress it would take on for, for those young athletes, you know, with other sports that work with softball, there seems to be a bit of a break, at least with the athletes I worked with, but development piece, when the stress takes over, I think, I mean, what do you think? Is it too young nowadays? Because when I, I mean, when we were younger, when we were playing, it was, you know, later teens, it would start to really. You know, now you have to really focus on if you want to take this and make a career out of this. But I mean, now do you think it's getting too young? Well, that was going to be my question for you because I have an opinion that, yeah, like when I grew up, honestly, I was playing spring hockey. I think when I was 14 was the youngest I started. And now I see it at like eight, nine years old. So, and I was going to make my question to you, what is your opinion on the intensity and the amount of I, I find hockey, I'm going to hold into hockey here, how often they're on the ice and not allowing kids to have that break. I can give you my opinion. My opinion is that 
kids need to be kids. Okay. At nine years old, I genuinely don't believe that a kid really knows where they're going to excel. They haven't even started developing, right? I mean, you go through your pre-reader, you go through your cycle of you, eventually you, your body grows and evolves and changes. And you don't have that full grasp of where you're actually going to excel in any sport, I think, at that point. So it's even like, putting a kid on defense and training them on defense as young as seven years old. Well, how do we know they're not going to be, you know, your power forward because they have to develop. So my opinion is we need to take a step back. And as parents, we need to make the decision. Is this spring hockey? Is this next hockey child? Is this worth return on investment for my child? Like, is this giving us the best return or is it, you know, taking away a summer from our kids or, taking other things into account on what's actually truly important in life. So that's my take, but I would love to hear yours. No, I, I, I agree. You know what? I think it's the summer hockey thing now is it's everywhere. It, and there's, there's how many teams in Saskatchewan alone. And it, it almost has become a, a popular thing to be a part of. And I think that there are some kids, obviously, you know, when kids want to play, they want to play with their friends. They want to play, you know, with their buddies. They want to improve. But unfortunately, though, it's, it sounds like at least some of the themes that I've encountered over the last few years is, well, if they don't, if they don't play summer hockey, they're going to fall behind. And I'm thinking, is that what's best for them right now? Is that at eight years old? Is that what's best for them to, that they're going to fall behind at nine years old? I mean, like you just said, there's plenty of growth to happen following eight, nine years old mentally, physically to grow into themselves, not only as a person, but in their body as well. So, you know, I agree, let kids be kids. There will come a time that they can really take it more seriously and train more often and skate more often. Like I said earlier, I, you know, with kids now there's, there's camps in the middle of the season, right? So you have three weekends or two weekends out of a month where you're in a tournament. And then the next weekend you're in a, a skating camp or a hitting camp or a stick handling camp or whatever it might be. I'm thinking, is this just, it's just too much. Yeah, absolutely. I echo that. And I think it's important to like also make note that there are exceptions. There are kids who are exceptions to this 100%. Um, I had Wayne Kojir on from Trailblazer and he referred to it as kind of this like keeping up with the Joneses. And I like to just think of it as, you know, the person next to me is doing this. And I think that as family units, we just need to decide, hey, is this what's best for our kid? What are our values? What are our morals? What do we have a priority here? And yeah, I feel for the families that are dealing with this now that have a kid with so much talent and don't want to fall behind because I just didn't have to deal with that as a, as a like young kid. I didn't have to make a decision. There just wasn't that opportunity there for me. And we were all in the same boat. So I think that it, I am definitely feeling for the adults now who have to make those decisions for their kids as to like, we don't want to fall behind. We don't want to not get invited to this camp or that camp just because we didn't play on that team. But I think it's like really important that now family units make that decision together instead of worrying about what everyone else is doing too. No, it's a good point. You made a good point there. And another, another thing to add to that is I think with kids now too is, you know, they're not seeing it as like, Oh, I have to play in our tournament or I have to play in our game. Or I, have to, they, I think most kids genuinely want to do these things because it's with their friends. It's with their, it's with their kids. It's with their you know buddies and their coaches and everything else. 
And then all of a sudden, middle of the season, the next year, they're realizing, wow, I haven't really had a break. And then you kind of see that fallout. So yeah, it is on the parents. It is on you know the coaches and people involved to recognize, is this too much? Because again, with those eight to maybe 12 year olds, you know, they just won't play hockey, right? Every day they just won't play hockey. And I can understand that, but you know, at some point there might be a burnout. And then of course, what happens then we don't know, but I think it's, it is up to people in the kids in the young athletes corner to be able to recognize, okay, is this too much? Is he handling it? Okay. Is he doing it because just his buddies want to do it? Or does he genuinely want to play? Is he enjoying it every time he goes out there? Absolutely. That burnout piece. Sorry, I cut you off there. Go ahead. That burnout piece is so important. I see it as a parent, you know, in my daughter. She's only nine years old. But I can tell when it's like, okay, is enough is enough. We need to pull back. And I think it's really important that we, when our kids can't recognize it, that we can recognize it. And I can see it in athletes when I go into a breakout session, you know, mid to late December, they're burned out. They need that break. That's why we have that break, right? In December, that's why we pull back and we shift our focus and we set new intentions and just take a little bit of downtime. So it's really important that we recognize the burnout. And I think you as in doing what you do, you can probably see it when you work with teams, if they're individual, they're starting to feel that, that little burnout too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So again, it's good to recognize that, but I mean, there's so many teams now and everyone wants to play, but it's, it's a tough, it's tough right now. Yeah, absolutely. So more on that, like, so for me, I work with the youngest group I work with right now is a U15 AA team. And I always ask the question, who's already considered what their next like path is, where they want to end up in hockey. And that was a really unique experience for me with this team I work with because some of them had considered it and they still have this love of the game. And I love that because that's when, that's when you really want to coach them and give them that mental training is when that love of the game is still there, but the social pressures are slowly coming in. And I find that U15 AA to be a sweet spot. Having said that, I haven't worked with much younger than that. So we'd love to know your take of where you see, like, where is that sweet spot of where the athletes are still experiencing that genuine love for the majority, let's say, like the average of them. And, you know, now the stresses are starting to come in because by the time we hit U18, those stresses, the commitments, the everything you have to do on top of it, the training is amplified. So I find that U15 AA, I would love to know your take on that in any age group where you see that. Yeah, no, I think U15 obviously is, it's like that prime age of, you know, they're, they're starting to amp up the training, sort of amp up the pressure. There's, there's all these more tryouts and all these things kind of happening. And when it comes to, um, the, the, my experience with that, I would say there's, a the 12, I would say like a couple of the, uh, young athletes I've worked with, you know, they're, they love the game so much, you know, they, they find that sometimes they get stressed, but it's like, it's fun. It's, it's a fun thing, right? It's exciting, right? Because again, there, it's just, you're just playing, going out there to play hockey and, and that's kind of their, their mindset right now. But I do, I do agree with you that U15 is definitely the time where the pressure starts to kick in that I'm seeing. Now they're talking to, you know, triple A teams and they're talking, looking at, oh, am I going to get drafted and to WHL or am I going to be able to play junior hockey and, you know, in, in Saskatchewan or I guess anywhere in Canada, but it's just, you know, that's that age where it just flips, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. On top of all that, like, do you find 
Is there any other areas on society today? I know that like phones is a big one. We didn't have the social media that we had. We didn't have that back then, what we have today. So I want to know what your take is on other areas that impacts kids now and the youth in playing sports. Like what adds to that stress do you find aside above and beyond kind of the extra things they have to do? Is there anything else you see, you know, whether it's school, phones, social media, any of that that you find that adds stress to the kids that you work with? I mean, no, there, there have been some people I've, I've worked with who, you know, they say, oh, I, I saw this one kid from somewhere in the States doing this. And, you know, he was really good. He's my age. He's my same draft year. And, you know, that sparked some like, like anxiety in him. And I'm thinking that was never even, I was, you know, I would compare myself to the people I see at the rink every day, right? He's comparing himself to some kid in Florida, right? Like we don't, he doesn't know this kid from a hole in the wall. So it's just, it's interesting that the social media piece, that extra stress that we never even considered when we were playing. And then, you know, the, the competitiveness now, I think, of always improving, always improving. Again, I think there's a good quality to it, but like we've already talked about, like with the extra skates, with the extra checking caps, the extra stick work, if you're not doing those things, you're essentially like, you know, falling behind. And I mean, that's kind of where that dips down of, you know, is it too much or is there too much pressure on me to always try to improve at such a young age, right? I mean, when you get to those, like I said, 15, 16 year old, then yeah, maybe it is time to do those extra work. But when it comes to the younger ages, there's so much of that added additional, you need to improve, you need to improve, you need to improve. It's like, just worry about having fun. Like, just worry about going out there. Yeah, obviously have, a, have a, an idea of what you want to work on, ways you want to improve, but your first focus should be to enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. And I think that I always tell my athletes to, to lean in into the discomfort because that's where once you're starting to take your sport more seriously, you really need to grow. And in order to grow and evolve, you have to lean into those areas that make you uncomfortable and the areas that you need to work on. And with every time you do that, you gain that confidence piece that, you know, we've talked about too is Every time you challenge yourself to do something that you scares the heck out of you, you gain that much more confidence. And that's how you grow as an athlete is by continuing to challenge yourself, but also always remembering why you're doing it in the first place. Oh, definitely. And that's that motivation piece. And that's something I talk about often is, you know, kids who are maybe lacking motivation or, or seem, can't, can't seem to find it and going to practice is going to games that don't have motivation. I'm like, kid, well, find your why. Find your why. Why are you doing this? Is this, why'd you start? You know, why'd you start playing, right? Was it because of love of the game? Is that falling off? You know, no, I still love the game. Well, okay. Well, then how do we, how do we find your why again? Right. And I think, again, that's just important to recognize those things. Absolutely. That why power is huge. That's a huge part of what I preach to the youth too. But also that motivation, I can tell you nine times out of ten, I was not motivated to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to go to practice when I was in university. I wasn't motivated, but motivation, one thing that has been really profound for me to learn is motivation follows action, right? So if you continue to do the things that are in service of your why power, that motivation comes after you just take that action, take the steps. You just sit on your couch over the holidays, for instance, if I went sat on my couch and said, I'm just going to wait to go to the gym until I'm motivated to go, that I would still be sitting on the couch today, I think. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's like discipline and, and it's recognizing where you want to go. It's recognizing what you want to improve. And you like, 
again, the biggest thing I have is set small goals for yourself. You know, it's not about, I want to play the NHL. Great. You have 50,000 more goals to accomplish before you even get a chance to go there. So what kind of things can we do today to improve yourself for tomorrow? Like just taking that step-by-step, right? Action plan. And again, not getting your head of yourself, not thinking that only motivation is going to have, like, you know, find your why, but then motivation. And again, staying disciplined with it. Because if you, if you do want to eventually be the best, you have to start somewhere, right? So if that starts with, all right, yeah, I'm getting up at 6 a.m. and I'm going for a run in the morning, or I'm getting up at 6 a.m. go to practice or go shoot pucks or go, go for a run or whatever it might be, then those are the types of things you have to commit yourself to. But yeah, nobody wants to get up at 6 a.m. and go for a run. No. Yeah, my coaching says to me, you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. So I think that's just always knowing that you're not just going to step out on the ice and be at the highest level you want to be at. You have to just start and take action or not to anything in life, sport, anything you take on, you just have to start. So thanks for sharing that. I would love to know like tangible tools that you deem as kind of vital for success in sport from that mindset perspective, things that are really going to help you and benefit you so that you can be performing at your highest level. The first and foremost thing that I often talk to the math is always calming your mind because you won't be able to pursue what you want or play like you want to if you can't control what you can control, right? You can control your effort, you can control your mindset, that is it. So calming your mind first. So practicing, you know, those mental strategies like self-talk, visualization, setting goals for yourself, having good body language, even just something like having good body language makes a world of a difference, you know? So those are the main cores that I really focus on with kids and, and how to calm your mind. But again, everybody's different and, and everyone needs to find out what works for them. There are some kids I talk to who think I, I can't do the visualization piece. I can't concentrate enough to kind of do that. I'm like, okay, well, we can start with something small and we can you can build it up, kind of build it up. But the self-talk, what are you saying to yourself, right? Are you saying negative things if you make a mistake? Are you saying, you know, encouraging things to help you? Are you saying positive things? And I think what you say to yourself says a lot about you and what you want to accomplish. And if you tell yourself, like, I'm going to have a great game today. Sometimes that's all you need. But if you think, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to, I don't want to play today. Like, well, then you're probably not very motivated or probably not very get up and go. So again, those are kind of the, the things that I really try to make clear with all the athletes I work with. It's just those kind of, again, those psychological tips. Absolutely. I think it's really important. I don't know your take on this, but for athletes to get conscious, we spend, you know, 95% of our day in that subconscious programming, which is where those limiting beliefs come in. And those limiting beliefs are the ones in which hold us back, right? And you've talked on this. This is exactly what you're saying. You know, if you're waking up and you're saying, well, I'm not really feeling like doing this, there's something in your programming that's preventing you from breaking through that. So it's first and foremost, we have to become aware of those thoughts and being able to acknowledge this is my subconscious programming and this is how I have to rewrite this. And this is how I have to develop you. Like we said, find the tools that get you back to where you need to be. And those tools are going to vary across the board. And I see that too. When I work with a team, it's like, well, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. This works for me. And it's like, I'll throw everything at you to try because it's like scientifically proven, right. but let's find something, right? Like let's find something. But first and foremost, 
if you're unaware of your body and especially females, if you're unaware of what's going on in your body, you don't give yourself a fighting chance, right? Like, so I think that's been crucial for me is like being conscious of where your thoughts are and those limiting beliefs and acknowledging them and tapping into all of that. Um, and also like, I don't know your take, but if you're not eating the right things and you're not fueling yourself and you're not getting the sleep, you can see it in an athlete that, you know, maybe went out the night before or didn't get enough sleep, that mental part of the game, you're also not giving yourself much of a step up because the mental capacity is lacking because you're not getting the required sleep you need, the required nutrition, the fitness you need. Those are all like core things you need to actually pay attention to as well as athlete. I would love to hear your take on that. Well, definitely. And again, when it comes to, you know, athletes in general, the best thing you can do, and we've talked about this already, is the confidence piece. And confidence is built, I believe, by preparation. And that could be mental preparation, physical preparation, nutrition, water, sleep, everything, right? Like, if you have a game on Friday, how are you preparing for your game on Friday? Are you eating like crap? Are you posting and playing video games, going out with your friends, you know, whatever you're doing? And then, you know, at practice, what are you doing at practice? You're kind of goofing around, not really taking it seriously. You know, leading into that Friday game, you're probably not going to feel very prepared. You're not going to feel very confident. Or you might, but you might not play your best. If on Monday you think, I need to eat healthy all week, I need to get a good amount of sleep all week, I need to drink a ton of water, I'm going to practice, you know, extremely hard, I'm going to be very, practice a lot of mindful, mindful exercises, whatever it might be, That's that preparation going into your game will give you the confidence to play your best. Absolutely. I love that. Like it's intentional decisions that intentional choices, right? And I like that you mentioned, it's not just you wake up Saturday morning and you do all those things right. It, right. This stays with you the whole week. Like you have to be prepared. And that's your why power is being on that mission, not just for a day and not right. just for game day, but like that entire, I would go as far as the season, like be very intentional with those choices you make even the off season year round, like we yeah, have to yeah. just be intentional. And that doesn't mean to take a step back, give yourself a break. It's just being intentional, being conscious, aware of those decisions and calculating, like making sure they're calculated. So thanks for sharing that. I really, I echo that too. I want to know, talk lots about having goals, having your why power. I want you to discuss the importance of having those goals, the importance of practice and why going into practice with that agenda can make such a difference. Well, I think, you know, having goals is having a direction. You know, that's the way I see it is where you want to go, where you want to be. So with your goal comes your system. So if your system is to have a good practice, what kind of things are you doing to accomplish your goal, right? My goal is to, to have a good practice today. Okay. So I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to focus on every pass that I can. I'm going to control what I can control. So going into practice with, again, an agenda or a goal, right? That carries over into the next practice, which carries over into next practice and carries over into games. But it all starts at the beginning of practice. And if, if you're going into practice and think, I think I'm just going to you know, hang out and just goof around today and, you know, hey, hey, all to you, power to you. But if you want to take that next step, if you want to improve not only mentally, but physically, you know, having that discipline of, of you know, I'm going to do my best every time the whistle blows, I'm going to work as hard as I can at practice. So then that transfers to games, right? Having that, I'm putting my pressure on myself in practice. So that when it comes time for a game, I'm able to accept that pressure. I'm able to 
embrace that pressure and I'm able to overcome it. And again, I think, you know, you look at all the best athletes in the world, you know, like Michael Jordan, Coy Bryant, Crosby, McDavid, all those guys, their skills didn't develop in games. Their skills developed in practicing, right? So it's that practice of, you know, I, I, you know, you want to be the best. You want to improve your skills, how, wherever your skills are and how you ever want to get to, it starts at practice. And I think, again, there are a lot of kids I talk to now take it very seriously, but you know, I still think that if you want to jump ahead, you want to get better every single practice, then you have to take it more seriously and have those goals going into it. And having those goals and really deciphering through them, like, I want to have a harder shot. Okay, there's tangible actions you can take to create that. So whether we're spending more time in the gym, we're shooting 15 packs a day. So making your goal, but actually having a plan and steps to take to get there is huge. And I think one thing I've noticed is this lack of implementation. We'll set our goals and that's where we'll leave it. You know, we'll do a team breakout session. We'll set our goals by like, okay, let's develop an action plan to actually hit those goals and commitments, daily commitments, weekly commitments to ourselves, to our teammates to get there, right? Yeah. One of the teams I'm working with here in Saskatoon, where we did that in our first session and said, oh, I want to make some team goals. I want you guys to make some team goals of what you want to accomplish this season. You know, and I think one of the things was having a winning record. I said, okay, so how are you going to achieve that? We'll win more games. I'm like, no, yeah, you, you're right here. You, you technically are right. But what is your system? How are you going to do that? Are you going to improve the power play? Are you going to improve the penalty kill? Work on your conditioning, work on your scoring chances. How many shots do you guys want per game? Like there's, there's so many little things you could add into have every single goal you have of how you want to achieve it. So in your example with like the harder shot, Okay, are you going to be shooting pucks in the backyard? Are you going to take some time at practice to specifically work on that? How are you working on that? Are you being aware of what you're doing or are you just kind of, oh, I'm practicing like that, right? So again, is that being mindful of what you're doing? Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's all circles back to that mindfulness, the things that we teach, right? And yeah, I would love to know. So this episode is going to come out right after winter break. So if you can give the audience like something that they would focus on. So we've set goals at the beginning of the season. We took a break. Now we're feeling a bit sluggish or we're not feeling quite back to our game. What is a piece of advice you would offer to teams, to individuals to get kind of back in that compete mindset, back on track? What do you think they need to focus on? Well, I think sometimes, yeah, good point. I mean, there's that break, there's that lull. And I think you need to remind yourself of what your goals were, right? If you, I mean, I always encourage them to write them down because if anybody's like me, don't get the greatest memory and I need to write a lot of things down. So again, write your goals down and refer back to them. Okay. Our goal is to have this, our goal is to have this, our goal is to have this. And again, getting into that mindset right away, again, it might not happen automatically, but you know, give yourself some cheat sheets, give yourself some, some, you know, pushes of, okay, we have our goals here in our locker room. Everyone needs to go through this. Remember what we wanted to accomplish at the beginning of the year so we can carry that momentum over to the second year. And of course, you know, again, the practice thing, I always refer back to that the best way to, to improve is practice. So having a good practice. Well, we're just coming back after the break. You know, there's no, there's no grace period anymore. It's back at practice. We have to go back where we have to work hard. We have to get back into the shape if hopefully a lot of people were training over the winter break. I'm not sure, but 
Yeah. But again, it's that reminding yourself of what you wanted to set out and do in the first place so that you can ultimately pick it back up. Awesome. So we'll kind of dip close here, but I asked this question to most people. I want to know who is the person, it could be a sport, it can be a life that you look up to the most that has had the most impact on where you are today. Oh, good question. Oh, geez, that's a tough one. I would say my dad, you know, I would say my dad is probably the most impactful person. He's always encouraged me to whatever I pursue, pursue it with passion, right? Him and I are in very different fields of work. And he's always said, you can do whatever you want, but make sure you do it with passion, right? Make sure it's what you want to do, right? And if you're going to go down that road, work as hard as you can to go down that road, right? Because if you go at it half speed, you're not going to get there. So I would say that's something he instilled in me as, as a young guy. And I've always kind of carried that. If you're doing something, do it with passion. If you're, be proud of what you're doing. Yeah, awesome. Like the wall and, and yeah. I, I would definitely echo what your dad says there because it's if you're gonna do anything there is opportunity costs on the other end of what your decisions you're making right so commit all in go with your whole heart and yeah i i couldn't agree with that more just to finish here mitch i would love to know one of the biggest quotes that stands out to you and maybe why biggest quote yeah it's like like kind of as mirror i just said is you can fail at things you don't want to do so take a chance at what you want Right. And I, and I think, I think it was like Jim Carrey said that. I think, I think it was Jim Carrey. And I always liked that quote because again, you can think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do and not really enjoy it. And you can still fail at those things. Right. So why not take a chance on something you really want or something you're really passionate about? I think that's, again, it's comes down to the, you know, this is what I want. And it's scary to go over there. Kind of what you said at the beginning about the social media piece and the online platform, it's might be a little bit nerve wracking to go down, but you know, ultimately like getting out of your comfort zone is what we kind of talked about and, and being able to do those types of things, I think is important to all that growth and, and, and pursuing what you want. Yeah. And I also kind of adopted this idea that if we never fail, how boring would life be if it was just kind of like, you just kind of, everything you did where you're good at and you never had the opportunity to grow and evolve and just kind of coasted. So those failures are huge opportunities to grow and evolve and it's it's what makes life and sport that much more enjoyable I, in my opinion I, i'm a big advocate for failure as, as weird as that sounds i think it's you know it, it's so important in sports and in life to recognize but it's what you do after failing that makes a difference right yeah curl up do you you know oh, i i failed and i'm a, I, I'm, I suck now or whatever it might be or is it how do i get better where do i need to improve right so yeah. well, I'm, I think failing is very important in sports, especially. Yeah, I 100% agree. And after failures, as soon as something happens, it's like, okay, now what can we do? You know, like almost exciting to see, okay, now where we can we shift, pivot and make changes, evolve. Mitch, this has been amazing. I love chatting with you. I know that we just made a connection and I'm like, I've got to get this guy on the show because he's doing all the things that I would stand up for as well. And I want you now just to... Let everyone know where they can find you. I'll put it on the show notes as well. But let everyone know where they can find you and anything else you want to share for people just to take with them. Oh, yeah, you can just find me on Instagram. I have an account there. It's optima.athletic. And yeah, all, my, all the information is there. The reach me is there. And again, I got nothing else. I really enjoyed coming on. This was great. 
I really enjoyed our chat.